Hello, everyone, and welcome to the NASIC Dorsey Wright podcast. For the last podcast that we're doing here in the month of March, uh, the time we're recording here, it, it's going to be March 31st. This podcast is going to be coming out on Friday, April 1st, which is going to be the new release time for the NASIC Dorsey Wright podcast series moving forward. Uh, my name is Ian Saunders, and joining us here as well today is Jamie West. Uh, Jamie, it's great to great to be back in the office and great to uh, great to actually be doing this, uh, sitting across the table from each other uh, face-to-face, something we haven't done for, for over two years at this point. Uh, we, we're getting get more people back in the office uh, over the course of the past few weeks here and, and opening things up to, to get back in the normal swing of things from a media standpoint. Um, so no shortage of movement that we're seeing coming into the uh, market movement throughout the course of the past week, uh, been seen some more improvement from the domestic equity side of things, but seen a fair amount of movement on the rate side of things as well. And, that, and that's what we're going to touch on for the majority of the time today, um, looking specifically at some of the, the, the various inversions from the yield curve. Um, so Jamie is, is uh, tip, han- handles the, the majority of the, the fixed income kind of research on our end. Um, so he's, uh, he's, no better person to have come in and give us some insight than that. So, uh, Jamie, great to have you here. And I guess the fir- first question is, as we were kind of talking about, a lot of people might not necessarily know exactly what we mean when we say like in, an inverting yield curve. Yeah, thanks, Ian. Um, so, yield curve inversion is basically when we see short-term rates move above long-term rates. Um, you know, in kind of a normal environment, um, as you go out on the yield curve, it slopes upwards. So, you know, longer term maturities, bonds that are further out um, in the time till they mature uh, are going to have a higher yield than shorter term bonds. Um, Now, when they invert, you know, that kind of is flipped on its head and we have shorter term rates higher than longer term rates. And um, one of the key uh, relationships that people keep an eye on is the two year to 10 year relationship. And that relationship briefly inverted on Tuesday, um, where we saw the two-year move above the 10-year. Um, it didn't stay that way. You know, it closed with the 10-year back above the two uh, in a normal state. But you know, that has um, prompted some discussion about you know potential recession um, as you know an inverted yield curve, uh, especially the two to 10, is often cited as an indicator of recession. Um, you know, theoretically interest rates uh, reflect expectations. So if the 10-year, let's say, is yielding 2.4%, that means that there's an expectation, theoretically, that short-term rates will average about 2.4% over the next 10 years. So, you know, if we accept that theory to be true, um, then when short-term rates like the two-year are higher than a longer-term rate like the 10, uh, that means the expectation is for rates to be higher over the short term and then kind of come down. And when do we typically see, you know, rates come down? Um, it's when the Fed lowers them in response usually to an economic slowdown uh, or a recession. You know, one potential potential scenario being that the Fed raises rates um, in the near term, perhaps to combat inflation like we see currently, uh, but they do it too quickly. And that brings about a recession. And then ultimately, you know, in the medium term, they are forced to reverse course um, and uh, lower rates. And that's how you can kind of see these kinks or inversions uh, in the yield curve. Great. Yeah. Thank you, Jamie. And, and I mean, in looking at the is looking looking at some of the charts that we have on the site. I mean, you look at that 
a U.S. two-year Treasury yield index, which for those that are following along on the platform, ticker is going to be U.S. T- U.S. two YR. So U.S. and the number two, and then YR. Um, I mean, you saw that break back through, give break a triple top with movement over the past couple of weeks at 165, um, and then continue to climb to ultimately top out at a 245 to chart level before reversing back down into a column of O's with movement yesterday. Um, and then as we've just kind of talking about as well, I mean, you've seen a lot of improvement, obviously, from, from the 10-year yield index, TNX, for those following along on the platform, has given three consecutive buy signals there on, the, on that default chart after passing a test of its bullish support line or positive trend line, um, and then topped out at an ultimate level of 20 500 or 250, sorry, and then continue to turn back around down to a current chart position around 2325. So, I mean, looking at it from a closing closing price standpoint, uh, these haven't necessarily inverted in just looking at closing prices, but they did on an intraday basis. So, kind of get, kind of flash some of those headlines like we were touching on there. Uh, but when these do invert, I mean, whether you're looking at a closing price, whether you're looking at it or like an intraday, I mean, is that I guess for for the listeners, that necessarily mean okay, recession definitely going to come, or does that mean it's it's coming down the road, or next week, or next next month, or what do we kind of see on that front? Well, you know, obviously, I don't think any any indicator is a, is a foolproof thing, um, uh, but I will say, you know, the inversion of the two ten has preceded pretty much every recession um, since the the nineteen seventies. Um, you know, the as you mentioned, they, they did invert intraday. Um, they did not close on it, you know, inverted. So the, the 10 is back above the two, um, at least, you know, through close yesterday. Uh, but the spread, you know, between them sits at, you know, less than five basis points, which means, you know, we could see them invert at pretty much any time. Um, and then, you know, maybe even un-in, uninvert again. <laughs> um, uh, you know, however, just because that they, they preceded these, uh, you know, a number of recessions, doesn't mean that it has to happen. It also doesn't mean that the two to 10 is necessarily the best indicator out there. Um, you know, a lot of analysts and economists say that they prefer the three month to 10 month spread, or sorry, three months to 10 year spread. Uh, obviously the three months being uh, much closer to the short end of the curve where the Fed has a lot more control. Um, and so you're getting more of a very short-term comparison, you know, with an intermediate to longer term with the 10-year. Uh, and so the, you know, a lot of analysts have expressed um, a preference for that as a better, you know, indication uh, of a potential recession. And as it stands now, that relationship is nowhere near inverting. Um, the 10-year is still about, you know, 180 basis points above the three-month, um, you know, Previously, uh, I'm going to say like 2019, we saw this get, you know, much closer. Um, And, you know, there was a, while we've seen a flattening of the yield curve in like the two to 10 range um, and a a very uh, pronounced steepening in the, you know, let's say two months to two year range, um, we saw a much flatter curve around 2019, um, where there just wasn't a whole lot of room from, you know, three months all the way out to maybe 10 years. Um, so not quite the same scenario, but, you know, I've digressed a bit. Um, you know, the point being that this is not the only um, potential indicator of recession on the yield curve. Um, you know, one that a lot of professionals prefer is the three months to 10 year, um, and that is not anywhere close to inverting. Um, you know, other 
um, observers have contended that, you know, more than any single relationship, what we should do is kind of look at relationships across the yield curve and measure the portion of those that are inverted, um, you know, with the idea being that historically recessions have only come when we've seen 70, 80, 90% of the yield curve inverted. Um, now, depending on how many relationships you want to measure uh, on the yield curve, you know, it runs all the way from one month out to 30 years. So, you know, maybe looking for an inversion in the one month to 30, uh, you know, maybe you're unlikely to get that and you don't want to, you know, go from the very shortest maturity to the longest. Maybe you want to start at the one year and go to the 20. But depending on how you slice it, um, somewhere between, um, you know, 10 to 15% of the yield curve is currently inverted. So nowhere near those very high levels of inversion um, that we've seen in, you know, prior recessions or preceding prior recessions. Um, you know, and another thing to note, um, as you said, we saw this very brief inversion, um, which has, you know, returned to a normal state. Um, typically, we've only seen recessions come after the yield curve, or in this case, um, since we're talking about the 210, since we've seen that relationship uh, invert for an extended period of time. Um, you know, the fact that we saw this, you know, kind of quick inversion and a reversal, probably not very meaningful on its own. I mean, theoretically, you could have had hundreds of these inversions. And, you know, looking at daily data, you wouldn't even know that they happened because they closed back in a normal state. Um, you know, obviously, you know, there's going to be some evidence that you got very close to, to an inversion. You know, it's not as though um, these things move 100 basis points a day. But, you know, theoretically, an intraday cross, you know, looking back to analyze historical data, if you're using daily data, like a lot of people do, um, you wouldn't even pick up on, on this kind of move. So, um, you know, I don't think this is necessarily particularly meaningful. Um, as I said, you know, we've typically seen um, recessions come after extended periods of inversion. Um, and then, you know, beyond that, even when a recession has come, um, it's typically been 12 to 15 months or more after the yield curve um, initially inverted. So, you know, a lot of things here are kind of saying, well, okay, yeah, we did see this inversion, but, um, you know, maybe it's not as big a deal as, you know, some of the uh, news articles that you may be reading um, on the internet may make it out to, to be. Um, and, you know, there is no denying the fact that, um, you know, inversion of the 210 has preceded pretty much every recession that we've had for the last 70 years or, or uh, yeah, 50 years or so. Um, but there's, we also can't rule out the possibility that this may just be incidental. Um, you know, we saw the 210 spread invert briefly in 2019, and then there was a recession in 2020. So, you know, technically, the, you know, the 210 uh, inverted before the recession. So, you know, if you were saying that it predicts a recession every time, um, technically, you wouldn't be wrong. But I think a strong argument can be made that the 2020 recession really had nothing to do with underlying economic fundamentals uh, that the, the 210 is supposed to reflect. Um, so, you know, saying that the, um, that the yield curve predicted the 2020 recession, uh, I think we may be giving a little too much credit. Now, of course, there's, there's the possibility 
that, you know, we would have had a recession anyway, even if COVID didn't happen. I mean, you know, that's the thing about economics. It, it doesn't happen in a lab. You can't go out there and test, you know, tweak one thing and see what happens. Um, but, you know, saying that uh, the, the 210 has a perfect track record, um, you know, I think you'd have to put an asterisk next to next to 2020. Um, so, you know, overall, I think there are some valid reasons uh, why we should be concerned about the flattening of the yield curve. Um, it definitely, you know, I don't think that the, you know, maybe the expectations theory um, isn't 100% correct, but it, it definitely um, reflects some economic and fundamental realities. Um, so when we do see this, you know, kind of flattening of the yield curve and these inversions, um, I think it definitely does reflect some concern on the part of investors uh, about where the economy is headed. Um, and, you know, in a lot in a lot of cases, we see that, you know, kind of uh, things become a self-fulfilling prophecy. You know, people think there's going to be economic trouble, so they slow down on hiring or building or investing, and boom, you do have a recession. So I, I don't think you can ignore that. Um, however, I, given the historical evidence, I don't think there's a lot of reason to be overly worried yet. Uh, you know, as, as we've discussed, the 210 hasn't even inverted yet on a you know closing price basis. Um, the the 310, three month to 10 year, which a lot of you know people prefer, uh, remains um, with a very widespread. And then you know if we're looking at the percentage method, um, again, not a big percentage of the yield curve is inverted. Um, it's really that um, kind of grouping in the the two year to 10 year spread. And then you know right now the 20 is over the 30. So you get kind of this, you know, sharp up from one to two, from one month to two years, and then kind of a flat move move across, and then another up move. Um, so not kind of this, uh, you know, the very flat um, yield curve um, that we saw, you know, previously. So, you know, overall, I wouldn't dismiss all of the, you know, the concerns about inversion and what it means, um, but you know, a lot of these, uh, I would call them maybe chicken little uh, articles that are making their way into, into the media um, are, are probably, you know, more concerned with maybe getting ads than, than or I'm sorry, getting clicks uh, for ad revenue than absolutely representing the truth behind uh, what this means. Yeah, I mean, I think, I think that makes a lot of sense. And I think that that aspect that you touched on there, looking at um, the the combining kind of multiple multiple yield curves into one kind of it kind of looks like a sentiment kind of kind of percentage based deal. I mean, it makes a lot of sense. You're looking at from as we like to say a lot of weight of the evidence aspect, right? I mean, weight of the evidence. Yeah, you might see one indicator flip, you might see one chart give a sell signal, but I mean, you're looking at the overall weight of the evidence versus just focusing on one specific thing. And I think that that certainly carry, carries over to this kind of conversation as well. I mean, and, and when carrying it over and looking at the weight of the evidence for the broader domestic equity space right now, I mean, not really seeing that much, uh, not, not really seeing that kind of potential inversion have that much of a negative effect, um, at least at the, the time of this recording here. I mean, we've seen a lot of market turbulence throughout the first three months of the year, a lot, a lot of a lot of declines looking at the first kind of correction territory for most of the major broader indices in, in, in well over a year. 
Um, but now you're seeing some of the, the participation swing back to the upside. You're seeing some of the, some of the bullish percent positive trend charts reverse higher. So um, it is good to see those, those, those signs kind of moving in conjunction with one another um, as we look out of the broader state of the domestic equity market and looking toward uh, the second quarter of 2022. So, I mean, it's hard to believe the first three months are already, already over, but uh, definitely be, be looking to see if this, this positive participation can continue as we head into the month of April. So with that, um, I think that wraps up most of what we were looking at, looking to cover here. Jamie, wonderful to have you on and wonderful to be sitting across and talking for, talking to you in person um, rather than just necessarily over the uh, over, over the webcam here.